Welcome to the Legacy Nashville podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken the time out of your day or night to tune in. We pray that this message encourages you to love God, love people, and change the world. Now, let's get to the message. We're going to continue our series called Presence People, which is going to lead into our conference uh, called Presence People. How about this? Before I read our scripture this morning, let's just review our five petitions and what we're praying and fasting for, uh, for the next 14, well, not quite 14, uh, 16 days. All right. So here's our five petitions as to why we're fasting. Number one, as a church body, we're communicating to God our great desire for more of Jesus. We must have more of him at any cost. I need two good amens. We must have more of Jesus at any cost. We cannot endeavor to build a presence culture without being actual presence people. We're not talking about developing a style or a genre. We're talking about pursuing a person and his name is Jesus. So that's why we're fasting. Here's our second one. As a church body, we're choosing to humble ourselves before God through fasting and prayer. And this is our 5-H culture. You guys remember this. Holy, humble, hungry, honorable, and healthy. It's our culture. That's that hashtag legacy lifestyle right there. And so when we humble ourselves, uh, when we fast, we humble ourselves. Amen. And for anybody who's been fasting for even like, I don't know, four hours... You know what I'm talking about. You're like, dude, I'm hungry, I'm afflicted, I'm humbled. I hear you. Number three, as a church body, we're preparing together for an unprecedented move of God at Legacy in our fifth year. You guys remember what five means? Great grace, great favor, and great power. One heart. You already forgot. One heart. One soul. That's it. As a church body, we're preparing for our conference presence people and we are believing God for a great move. I don't want to be able to get up off the floor after conference. Just I want to be through, finished. All right, next one. As a church body, we're asking God for guidance, direction and strategy. We want to be prepared and planning for what's next. We don't care what's next. It doesn't matter what it looks like. We just want to follow him. Amen. And so we are asking God for strategy. Obviously we're launching a third service. And uh, when pastor John Norman was here a couple of weeks ago, he said, you need to be looking for your next building. And I rebuked him. I was like, no, sir. Took us 18 months to get into this one. Uh, We're not ready. He said, if it took you 18 to get in here, How much longer might it take you to get into the next one? I think you need to start looking yesterday. Dang, I don't want to hear that. So that's why we're fasting because we need to know what God's agenda is for our family because it's going to be a little hard. Uh, You guys remember that uh, inhabitation, which is our word over 2021, is both hard. Y'all remember this? And expensive. It's expensive. I've learned that. Y'all see the... uh, my kids thought these were water slides. Um, 
going out the window. And that would be a dream come true, right? We could all just finish worship and then hit the slide out to the parking lot. I'm here for that. That sounds amazing. But I was like, Isaiah, they're not water slides, buddy. Like how this building was designed, uh, it was designed to cool, but with no people in it. So here we are, you know, stuck in here. And it's like somebody turned the heat up to cremate is what it feels like. It's hot. So we have these extra AC units. We're going to get that fixed soon. But all right, that's it. That's our five petitions. And there's my announcements. Are you ready to dive in? Okay, let's stand up for the reading of the word. Remember, our last H is healthy, so we just try to make sure you get some exercise in here, standing up. We're going to go one verse of scripture to kick off, uh, 1 Peter 2 and 9 uh, for our Presence People series, all about worship. You ready? Y'all ready? All right, let's, let's read it together. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. But you are a presence people. (laughs) Could I, could I, is it okay? But you are a presence people, a priest. Can you update yourself today? I am a priest. Your holy nation, God's special possession. Just let this sink in today. That you may declare, we're all of those things, so that we might proclaim and declare the praises of Him who is Jesus, who called you out of darkness. How many of you guys been called out of darkness in here? Now we live to worship Jesus, right? Who called us out of darkness and into His. Uh, Old school King Jimmy said, the marvelous light. That's how I heard it preached growing up. The marvelous light. So let's pray into that. Lord, we thank you for your marvelous light that we get to be priests. Wow. We don't always feel qualified, God, but your blood has purified us to the point of qualification so that we might enter into the holy of holies. We thank you, great high priest. For the precious Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. That has qualified us to enter into your throne room with holy boldness. God, we ask that you would pour out your spirit of worship over us today as we lean into the topic of worship. God, make this house a house full of worshipers. And any reluctance in us, God, to worship you, God, I pray that you would destroy that today in Jesus' name. Lord, I ask for the anointing that breaks every yoke of bondage, everything that's holding your people back from ministering to you as a priest. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name right now that you would just destroy it from the start. Release us into our high calling as ministers to God first. Come on, will y'all pray with me just a little bit longer? For those of you fasting, I know you need prayer. So, Lord, we just ask that you would move in us today, God. We ask that you would stir up in us today, God. We ask that you would stir up in this place, God. I ask that you would fill the whole house with your glory. Like Isaiah saw, Lord, we want to see the train of your robe fill the temple. We want such a heavy outpouring of your spirit that the priest can no longer stand to minister. Lord, we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit. Any part of us that is reluctant to go all the way in with you, Lord, we ask that you would impart to us a passion, a passion to worship, a passion to worship. 
Make us passionate to worship, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen Amen and amen and amen. You can be seated. Um, I'm going to get to a message here in a little bit called God's love language. How's that? It doesn't seem to connect to 1 Peter 2, but I'm going to talk about God's love language in a minute. Since this is the first time we've talked about worship, um, I'm going to lay some foundation for worship, what it is and how important that it is. Is that okay? Uh, I was telling my friend Andrew Damasio, you guys remember Andrew, pastor of Rose Church in Portland, Oregon? I said, man, I'm going to be kicking off a series called Presence People, and it's going to be all about worship. And you know what he said? Why? I said, because we're presence people. He said, yeah, you are. Why don't you preach a whole message about the discipline of the Lord or something? Like you preaching about worship at Legacy is like Robert Morris preaching at Gateway about tithe. (laughs) And if you know Robert Morris or you've ever read any of his books, like they have a grace with finances, right? And he's like, you guys are already anointed as presence people, all right? I don't think you need to teach your church anything about worship. You got it. Uh, But, you know, to be honest with you, just in leadership, I think focusing on your weaknesses is a bit overrated. And I'm all for focusing in on what God has given us strength to do well, which I think is to lead in whatever capacity he calls us as worshipers. We are the people that are going to ascend the hill of the Lord, no matter the cost. I want to speak that over you, church, that we are in fact presence people. It is not a catchy title to a conference. This is part of our identity as priest. And we take it so seriously here in this house. We want every single person in this place, knowing that you are called as a minister to minister to God first and foremost. So that's, that's why we're reading this, because we don't want to neglect our first calling in the midst of pursuing our purpose as anointed leaders. I know you guys will remember this, but your purpose is not a position. Your purpose is not an income bracket. Your purpose is not a promotion. Your purpose is not a zip code. Your purpose is not a net worth. Your purpose is a person, and his name is Jesus. And before we do any ministry to others, our first responsibility is to minister solely to him. Amen? That's who we are. That's why we started prayer room. That's why we're doing prayer room. That's why we write music. That's why we get up here and sing every Sunday morning. It's not about the culture. It's not about a genre. It's not about a style. It's not about being cool. It's not about subscribers. It's about one person and one person only, and his name is... Jesus. And worship is so important to God. Do you guys know that? Like worship is so important to God. First thing I want to say is that worship is really important in the Bible. If you read the Bible, which I hope all of you do, look at your neighbor and say, do you read the Bible? Man, I, 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 Ariel, I know you don't have a neighbor. So do you read the Bible, sis? I know you do, sis. That's an important question. If you read the Bible, one of the things that you will quickly discover is that God's people are all the time found worshiping because that's how God created us is to be worshipers. 
you look at the book of Revelation chapter 14, the Bible says this, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. Worship is really important in the Bible. And what we're reading here in Revelation 14 is God commanding all of creation as creator to worship him. Not only is worship a command you have received, every single person in here, not only is worship worship a command that you have received, but it is also your responsibility to give God worship. It's it's not like a, a, a polite suggestion. So, I mean, say to this side, it's, it's, it's not like an option when you feel like it. You know, I know some people who won't worship when they're going through hard stuff. It's so interesting to me because they will allow their circumstance to determine their worship. And so, you know, when they're going through a hard time because they're normally so expressive, but you see them on a Sunday and they're like, Listen, I want to talk to a group of presence people that do not allow their circumstance to determine their worship, but they let their worship determine their circumstance. And I know as millennials, we're so obsessed with keeping it real. So we're like, I don't want to fake it. I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. And, and for the millennials that are spiritual, they're like, well, I don't want to come to the front because then I'd be in the flesh. Listen, depression is a state of the flesh. So you get to choose... Now I'm going to have to go back to this side. So you get to choose if you're going to be a worshiper or not. You get to say, listen, I'm not checking with the size of my circumstance. I'm going to let my circumstance check with the size of my God. I'm not going to let the storm determine how I worship today. In fact, I see a bigger storm coming on the horizon. I'm going to worship harder. I'm going to go in harder. I'm going to let hell know. Listen, I know sometimes we worship for heaven. Every now and then I worship for hell's sake. (laughs) I'm serious. Sometimes I don't worship for heaven's sake. I worship for hell's sake. Just to remind the devil. Yeah, I know you bruised my heel there for a little bit. But I'm about to stomp on your head, bro. Like you lost. You guys are not ready for my day seven energy this morning. I can already tell. I can already tell because I'm like, uh, I was polite in the first service because I was like, I don't want to get, you know, too like tired. It's over. Politeness is over, right? Listen, so there was this time, anybody ever had night terrors in here? They're the worst, right? And, um, you know, nightmares, constantly being uh, woken up in the middle of the night. Sometimes you see things in the room. You experience that ransom? I noticed in one season of my life that every night around 3 a.m., anybody ever had this experience? I'd wake up in fear, and I would feel the presence of darkness in the bedroom. And before I would go to sleep every night, I would pray. I'd say, Lord, I'm coming to heaven, and I'm asking you, Lord, please uh, help me to sleep deeply. I'd read the Psalms over myself. I'd say, Lord, I'm coming to heaven And I'm asking for help. And then I realized that 
as I continued to be woke up at three, that it wasn't letting up because I was going at heaven with my prayers at 9 p.m. So what I did was I set my alarm clock for 3 a.m. because I thought to myself, well, okay, if going to heaven isn't what God's asking me to do in the midst of this battle, I'm just going to take the fight to hell and set my alarm clock at 3 a.m. Now, whether I have a nightmare or not, I'm going to get up and I'm just going to worship at 3 a.m. And there were certain nights where I literally did feel that same like uh, presence of darkness and I stopped rebuking the devil. I just invited him to watch me worship Jesus. I say, listen, hey, hi, I see you over there. I ain't even going to rebuke you in Jesus' name. I'm just going to allow you to watch me worship in Jesus' name. So you can stay over there if you want to. God gives us a command in Scripture. It's not a suggestion. It's not an option. It's also our responsibility because we are priests and we are ministers. Uh, worship is very important in the Bible. You know, worship is also very important in the church. The church's supreme responsibility, the church's first responsibility is to exalt its head. That's our first responsibility, is to exalt Jesus Christ. That's why we exist. That is what the church is here to do, is to exalt Jesus as our head. Now, I pulled a quote from an A.W. Tozer book that I think is just really cool. It's called The uh, Missing Jewel of the Evangelical Church. And Tozer refers to worship as the missing jewel. And I think I'll explain this a little bit better when I get into my second sermon. Here in a little bit, which is called God's love language. All right, I'm giving, I'm just going to set up because we haven't really talked about worship here before. Although we do it, we haven't taught on it. So this is sermon A. And in sermon A, I pulled a Tozer quote for you. And it says, the purpose of God in sending his son to die and rise again to sit at his right hand was that he might restore to us the missing jewel. That is just precious language for worship. The missing jewel, the jewel of worship that we might come back and learn to do again that which we were created to do in the first place. How many of you guys know you're a new creation? This is what you were created doing. Not just created for, but created, created doing. Get that. You weren't created only for worship. You were created worshiping. I have a picture of our, th- our third child born by C-section. And I swear to y'all, she came out worshiping. She came out hand lifted and screaming. And, and the Lord reminded me of that truth. No, you're not just created for worship. You're created worshiping. This is who you are. Worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. We should spend our time in awesome wonder and adoration of God, feeling and expressing it. We're here to be worshiper, worshipers first and workers only second. Now, Maddie's calling me, Brookie. Tell him I said hi. Text him. It's probably Luca. Worshippers first. We're a family, if you guys haven't noticed that. Like, we just talk to each other during the message and everything. So, worshippers first and ministers second. Now, I don't want to, like create too much of a sidebar here, but I just want to share with you something that I've been thinking about this week. 
uh, which is that we must protect the oil. All right, let me say it again. We got to protect the oil, church. Okay? Uh, What I've noticed is that when you first get started, uh, you get saved, you feel called by God, especially those of you who feel called to go into ministry. Like, you know what it's all about. It's all about worship. It's all about worship. It's all about worship. And then what happens is you receive great grace, you receive great favor, and you receive great power. And then somewhere along the way, we get confused and conflicted about our first responsibility and start thinking that our whole purpose is wrapped up in our work. And listen, if we're going to do what God has called us to do, we're going to work. How many of you guys know revival is spelled W-O-R-K? But the Lord reminded me last week, he said, obedience is spelled R-E-S-T. You cannot neglect your first ministry in the midst of what I've called you to do in ministry. I want you to protect the oil. I want you to protect the anointing that is resting upon your life by remembering your first love. What did Revelation say? Uh, You've neglected your first love. You've stopped doing the deeds that you did at first. Can you remember back just for a moment on the things that you did when you were first saved? I bet all kinds of people considered you to be a weirdo. For sure, me. Like when one of the conference ladies would leave their flag behind, I'd just pick it up. And I just thought, you know, like that was acceptable worship. You know what I mean? I'd just be like, let's go. And I was terrible at it. And then everybody would be like lamenting and I'd be laughing and like, ah, ah, ah. You know, I didn't know how to behave in church. I just thought you should witness to everybody. You know, so I told everybody about Jesus, whether it was Walmart, late at night, didn't matter. You guys know this, some of you. I used to go to rest stops and I would stand there by the water fountain and wait for somebody to come take a drink. And then I'd say, hey, if you take a drink of that water, you're going to thirst again. And all of a sudden, nobody really wanted the water. They were like. They're like, the deeds you did at first. You remember how undignified you were when you first got saved? Protect the oil. There's some oil in that. Protect the oil. Listen, I never want to graduate. One of my my goals is like, I just want to be the most surrendered person in the room. Not not to be competitive at all, but like, I just like, I just want to be the most surrendered person. So worship is so important, not only in the Bible, it's so important to us as the church. And then thirdly, worship is really important to Jesus. You guys know this, right? Worship is so important to Jesus. We actually see Jesus modeling a lifestyle of worship for us in the Gospels. Think back on how many times he would slip away to pray and worship in secret. And I know it's so easy for us to focus on the ministry of Jesus to other people. But before you go studying the ministry of Jesus to others, I want to invite you, go study the ministry of Jesus to God first. Because so many people want to be anointed and move in the works of Jesus to other people. They want to heal the sick. They want to raise the dead. They want to cleanse the leper. But listen, I think before we ask for the miracles of Jesus, we should be asking for the prayer life of Jesus. We should be asking for the lifestyle of worship that Jesus embodied and that he carried because if we'll do that, I can promise you this over here won't be much of a problem. Worship is so important to Jesus. He he embodied this. 
We see him so often talking about worship. In Matthew 22, he said, uh, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. And this is the great and first commandment. In this one statement, what does Jesus do? He tells us, yes, I confirm. He was talking to a lawyer. I confirm that the greatest and the first commandment in all of the Torah, in all of the Old Testament, is that you love the Lord your God with your whole heart, uh, which you can always substitute the word desire for the word heart in the Bible. With your whole desire, with your whole heart, with your whole mind, with your whole soul, with your whole strength, Yep, that's right. You're right, lawyer. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, the great and first commandment is that you worship God in love. And let me confirm to you that this is also the great and first commandment in the New Covenant as well, that you worship God with your whole heart, with your whole mind, with your whole soul, and your whole strength to worship. All throughout the Bible, you'll see this. Jesus confirms this. This is our first mission, our first priority, our first ministry. It is to Jesus as a priest, to be actual worshipers. This is what we're called to do. And uh, he confirms this even in the Lord's Prayer. Think back on Luke 11, verse 2. He said, when you pray, say, Father, Holy is your name, your kingdom come. What is Jesus showing us there? That before we ask God for anything, we worship him first. Before we give him our five petitions, we say, you are our father. You are holy. Holy is your name. Holy is your name. Before I ask for anything, God, I come to you with an attitude to worship first. That's what worship is. And I actually, I have a chart here. It's not a lengthy chart, but I have a chart just to give you a couple of points on what worship is and what worship is not. Number one, worship is giving to God. Worship is a blessing to you, but it is not primarily for you. Well, I didn't get it. I didn't get anything out of worship today. That's great. We weren't worshiping you. The worship wasn't for you. It, it bothers, I mean, I know I'm a pastor, so I, it bothers me a lot, you know, when people are like, man, I just, the worship wasn't good. I, that bothers me, okay? Uh, be, be, well, you know, I, I, I kind of like that church, but the worship's not very good. Listen, how was the worship is the wrong question. How was my worship is the right question. <laughs> Oh, do you need a certain type of music? Oh, oh, you need a, a, a certain type of tempo. Oh, I'm, I'm getting in your stuff right now. Oh, you need a certain key. Oh, you need a certain set list. You, you got, it's gotten quiet in here, Mary Pat. That's not worship. It, you know, obviously we can worship with music. The Bible teaches us that. But music is not music alone. It's more than that, right? Uh, music is not mechanical. It's not about us going through some type of motions, you know, with a clipboard. Like, yep, we did that, we did that, we did that, we did that. That's great, awesome, we worshiped. No, we, there can be a, a set list to our worship, of course. But it's not about it being mechanical. Ultimately, it is all for his pleasure. Um, worship is not limited to a certain tempo or key. And hey, we're in Nashville, so let's go ahead and say this. It's not limited to a certain genre either. 
It's not. It doesn't matter. We can, it's, it's not about the songs we sing. It's about the heart of the singer. Worship is proclaiming who God is. And this is going to go into that last point there is that worship is not praise alone. I should have added that word, but uh, worship includes praise, but it's not praise alone. When we proclaim who God is, we step into that place of worship. And one of the things that I've noticed, this is just me personally, is that whenever I'm in prayer by myself, I oftentimes start with praise, right? The Bible tells us to enter into his gates with thanksgiving, enter into his courts with praise, praise, right? And so praise is thanking God for what he's done. Everybody say praise Praise. is thanking God for what he's done. So this is where you're like, Lord, thank you for saving me. Lord, thank you for that parking spot (laughs) at Green Hills Mall. Because we all know pulling up to that mug is like, man, you got to ask God for favor. You know, you have to be praying in tongues when you pull up in that garage. Thank you, Lord, for healing my body. Thank you, God, for not allowing me to be a part of that wreck that I saw on 65. Thank you. You guys know what I'm talking about. Thank you, Lord, for saving my son. Thank you, Lord, for freeing me from addiction. Thank you, Lord, for touching my mother. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Lord, we give you praise and we thank you for everything you're, everything you're doing, everything you've done. Like that's a spirit of praise. But one of the things I've noticed is that we don't oftentimes progress from praise into worship. Because when we move into worship, we stop simply thanking God for what he's done and we start worshiping him for who he is. And when you come up under a spirit of worship, all personal pronouns tend to go out the window. You stop saying me. Thank you, Lord, for my blessings. Thank you, Jesus, for what we are doing. We start talking. We stop talking about me, we and us. And we simply start talking about you, you, you. Let me proclaim the truth. You know, you've never truly worshipped until you've forgotten that you are. You know what I'm saying? You come into that place, you forget what you're doing because you're not, you're not here anymore. Did that, does that make sense? You forget that you're worshipping. You, you're, you're caught up in his gaze. You're, you're proclaiming who he is. And uh, I think that, you know, praise, worship, glory. That's how, that's, how, that's how I see it, guys. And I, I've just, I focus on that. When I'm in my personal prayer time, I'll say, okay, I'm going to come into his courts with thanksgiving and praise. And then I'm moving into all of my stuff. I don't want to ask for anything, no petitions. I just want to come to that place of worship. And then I'll come to that place and just sit. Just sit. Try, will you guys try out that? Uh, it's not mechanical, but I just want you to be led of the spirit and try it out and see what happens. You'll like it. I promise. It's proclaiming who God is. It's also an attitude of the heart. It's love expressed. It is both a feeling and an activity. It is a meeting between God and his people. It is to God alone. It is the result of salvation. And it is a lifestyle and it cannot be done for you by others. It cannot be done for you by others. You know, I think we're still suffering from the same condition as Israel in the Old Testament when they said, Moses, go up on the mountain, have an encounter with God, come back and tell us what he said. Listen, your responsibility is not to outsource your opportunity for intimacy with God in worship to your pastor. 
Seek God for yourself. Meet with God for yourself. Worship God for yourself. Your mama can't do it for you. Your husband can't do it for you. Your neighbor can't do it for you. Your leaders can't do it for you. You must do it for you. It cannot be done for you by others. You're called to do it. It's your job. God gave you this job. It's not anybody else's to do for you. You got to do it for yourself. Amen. So that's my little introduction. That's the first sermon. It's over. We got nine minutes. We're going to make it. So what if, what if I framed it up like this? Worship is Jesus's love language. Worship is Jesus's love language. How many of you guys know your love language? Anybody? A couple of you guys. How many of you guys have read the book, Five Love Languages? How many of you guys, your, your, uh, your gifts? I'm gifts. Actually, I'm expensive gifts. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I know some of you guys, oh, you bougie. Yep. I like expensive, nice gifts. That's what I like. Sometimes my mom will sneak cheap gifts into my Christmas presents. Mom, if you're listening, I'm sorry. I love you. And I literally take it. A... That's so mean, isn't it? That's so mean. But it's like a t-shirt and I'm like, it's not even my size. Where'd you get this? It's like a color that was in in 09, you know? I'm like, what is this? I love you, mama. I I know that about myself. My wife knows that about me. And so if she's trying to really love on me, she'll be like, surprise, I bought you some Lalabo. That's a fragrance, by the way, if you have not. See, I got some fellow supporters. Uh, Nordstrom has Lalabo. It's fantastic. Don't get Santal, though, because that's what I wear. So don't get that. Get, be on your own wave, okay? Um, I'm playing. If you like it, get it. Praise God. But that's my love language. I feel so loved. David, you know what I'm talking about. I feel so loved whenever, you know, somebody's like, oh, look, we did this research, and, um, and here's our gift. I remember one time I was speaking at a church, and they gave me a pair of Chelsea boots, and they were the exact brand that I love, and they're, like, made in Italy and everything. And I was like, I don't care what happens at this meeting. You're my favorite church. I will always come back here. I don't care. You know, because I, f- I felt so loved, right? And I've, I've, I've learned this about my wife, you know. I, I remember learning this the hard way when we were getting engaged. Because the way I used to love her was the way I thought that she should enjoy receiving love because it's the way I enjoy receiving love. And so since I like nice gifts, I thought, you know, I would love on her by giving her nice gifts, but she's not really a gifts person. And I found that out one day when I was searching online for some cool hipster jewelry. And I said, okay, that is an awesome ring, not an engagement ring, by the way, but I was like, that's a cool ring. And my wife, my future wife would look so fly in that ring. And I, you know, when you're, when you're young and broke, uh, you don't really have the money to buy your girlfriend expensive things, which is why you use that credit card, you know, and you go out to dinner and you're like, don't worry, I got it, baby. It ain't, it ain't no problem. <laughs> credit. <laughs> you know what I'm, you, you guys know what I'm talking about. And so I took this picture of this ring, I took the picture of the ring and I thought, well, I had this, I was like, you know what, I, I probably should send it to her to make sure she likes it first. And I sent her the picture. I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to get you this ring. Don't you don't you love it? And I'm real pushy with things that I like. I don't know. It's like that uh, high eye on the disc. And so like I try to force everybody to love what I love. You know what I'm talking about? Well, like 
go out to eat and I'll be like, taste this pasta. I don't even like pasta, bro. You're going to love this pasta. You ain't never tried this pasta. Anybody else like that in here? You're just pushy. You're like, listen to this song. I don't even like that genre, but you never heard this guy. Just listen to it. Sit through it. Listen. You're going to love it. It's because you ain't been exposed. You need to listen to this. You know what I'm talking about? That's me. I'm so pushy. And I'm like, I send her a text. I'm like, isn't this ring awesome? And she's like, yeah, cool, period. I'm like, how could she not like this ring? Because I've always shopped for people on the basis of what I think they'd look cool in. It's not, it's not the right way. I'm just going to save you a little trouble. It's not the right way because I was like, okay, she's going to love this ring. She said, yeah, cool. And then I said, you don't really like it, do you? She's like, not really. It's not really my style. And, and I learned something about love languages is that, okay, it's so common for all of us to love other people on the basis of how we like to be loved. And it's interesting to me that we let that carry over into our spiritual life with God. And we say, okay, Lord, I'm going to worship you on the basis of how I like to worship, rather than ask him or pick up that book, that 66-book love letter of his self-revelation sharing with us how he longs to be worshipped. And we say, you know what? No, I'm, I'm going to worship on the basis of my personality. But God is a person, amen, and God has a personality, amen, and there are preferences that God shows us in his word about how he likes to be worshipped. And so when it's time for you to worship, God is not checking with your personality before he calls you into true worship. Well, I'm shy. I don't notice any biblical passages being addressed to the shy and saying, This is what you do when it's time to worship, unless you're shy. I I mean, I don't know if you guys saw that, but I didn't see that. And we got to know this, guys, because listen, God has preferences. You know why? Because he's a real person with a real personality. God is not a vibe. I don't know if you guys know. I don't know if you know. He's a person, not an energy. He's a person, not the universe. I mean, he's the person that created the universe. But he's a person, not the big man upstairs. That's what LeBron says, by the way. Not Steph Curry, though. He says Jesus. Just want to throw that out there to say. Sorry, I, I know you're from L.A., bro, and I'm trying to make Legacy Academy's mascot, the Warriors. <laughs> For all the Lakers fans, I love y'all. But Jesus is a real person, amen? He has a real personality, and he has preferences in how we worship him. God's preferences supersede your personality. Let me say it again. God's preferences supersede your personality. So what does God want from me? Let me give you three quick points and we'll we'll be done. What does God want from you? Number one, God wants your hands. When it comes to worship, God wants your hands. Okay? It's like Ricky Bobby. What do I do with my hands? You know, you come into church and you you see some people and they're like, 
You're like, that's about right for my personality. And then you see some people, they're doing this. And then you see some people, they're rocking the baby. And, and then there's some people who just... And then there's some people, they're washing the windows. And you're trying to figure out where does your personality fit? You know, what, what, what kind of hand raiser am I going to be? Or maybe you're like, man, I'm more of like a coffee drinker kind of worshiper. Every now and then, I'll, I'll give. Do a heart tap for the Lord. I, I, I get it. I understand. I've, I've been in church. You know, I grew up in church. So I've seen it all. And I grew up holiness Pentecostal. So nothing can scare me at this point. I'm telling you the truth. But God wants your hands in worship. Let's look at this passage in Psalm. Um, in, in Psalm 141, this is David. He said, may my prayer be set before you like incense. You guys know what incense is? Like, you remember in the Old Testament when they burn incense in the temple? I'm not talking about burning Palo Santo in your house trying to get rid of evil spirits. You inviting them. Oh, stop doing it. Stop. Don't be like Kyrie smudging all over the place. Don't even do that. Just worship. I feel like I'm like that's bothering somebody. I don't know, man. Can we just can, can I just say just stop? In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, they would set incense up. You know, they'd burn sacrifices, and they would say, "Oh, look at the incense rise! Look at the smoke rise! Look at the fragrant offering rise! This brings pleasure to God." That's something that David understood. But David understood that more than God wanted the rising of the incense smoke, God wanted the rising of His hands. He said, listen, I could give you a, a sacrifice, you know, of an animal. I could give you a sacrifice of incense. But you know what God really desires because he loves me so much more than all of that is he loves the raising of my hands. So I'm going to lift my hands just like that smoke, that incense, that sacrifice that I burned before him. I'm going to lift my hands in the same way because this, if that brings God pleasure, how much more would this? If, if this brings God pleasure, how much more would this? If, if, if this brings, how much more? You ever seen surrender happen on a battlefield? I'm lifting my hands. I surrender. I give up. This, this thing right here is not about my own preferences or my personality. I'm giving up. I'm giving up myself because I want something greater than myself. I want you, Jesus, and this is the worship that you prefer, so I'm not giving it to you on the basis of my personality. I'm going to step in, and I'm going to lift my hands. You know, Jesus was from the tribe called Judah. In Hebrew, the word Judah is the word yada. Everybody say yada. yada. Learn some Hebrew today. So yada is the word to know, right? So the know is the word that was used when Adam knew Eve and bore a son. So it's an experiential, intimate type of knowing. It's the same translation in the New Testament when Jesus says, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never yada you. I didn't have an experience, an intimate encounter. at that. I didn't have that kind of experience with you. So the tribe of Judah, they were known as the tribe of yada. Right? And so when they would lead the warfare, 
with worship. Notice it wasn't the warriors with the swords and the shields that came first. It was the trumpeteers. It was the strings players. It was the singers. It was the banner wavers. It was those that did this. And they weren't surrendering to the enemy. They were surrendering to what was superior to their enemy, which was God. That's why, worship, uh, that's why Israel lost every battle they didn't pray through. It says, okay, instead of coming at you with the bombs and the guns, here's what we're coming with you first. Surrender. That's, that's spooky right there. Right? You're about to fight somebody that's completely surrendered to Yahweh? You're going to lose. So, yada, right? The root word there is yod. Everybody say yod. You know what that means? Hand. Why is that? Because Judah was known as the tribe that would worship God. Completely surrendered. God wants your hands. We're talking about God's love languages. Here's what God wants when you worship. He wants your hands. And, and some of us in here, maybe you've never lifted even one hand before. Maybe you've been like, man, that's just not for me. Listen, can I tell you that the one in whom you're in love with wants your hands? And I, I realize it might not feel like you being yourself. But I've never been able to stay in the lane of just being myself and love my wife super well. Hey, I'm going to need you to um, do some chores around the house. I, I, don't, I don't, it's not really my personality to do any. I'm more of like a rest on Saturday kind of guy. Oh, you are. So I, I, don't, I don't know if my wife would feel incredibly loved by that. Now, early on in our marriage, my wife really liked words. You know, I'd tell her, man, I love you. You're beautiful. You're my princess. You're amazing. Now I tell her that. She's like, what do you want? Can't you see I'm doing something right here? I got this kid, I got a poopy diaper. The living room is a mess. The dishes are in the sink. Get to work, bro. Oh, you... And then I'll remind her, don't you know, I love, did you look at the bank account? I brought a check. I don't need a check. I need some help around the house. You, if you're married in here, you can say amen, right? Love languages, they, they change a little bit. And last night we were laying in bed and she'd already fallen asleep. And I was like, hey, she didn't move. I said, hey, what? What? Last night, this happened, didn't it? What is it that I do? That really turns you on. <laughs> I swear. She goes, what? You know what I said back? Sermon research. And so, I, I, don't, even, I don't even know what you told me. I think I may have washed the dishes... You said, you said do multiple chores throughout the day, not just one. I want multiple. When you do multiple chores throughout the day, that's, that makes me feel loved, you know. And so let me tell you, if you want to watch my wife's blood pressure rise, you put me in front of her with a pressure washer. Yeah. 
okay. I see, I see what you're doing there. And I'm like, what? She's like, the dad stuff just makes me hot. When you go full dad mode, I just, it, woo. And so here, here's what Jesus said. I, when, I, when you come into worship, here's what I want. I want your hands. Here's the second thing he wants. He wants your heart. You guys know this, but you can give your hands to Jesus and not give your heart. You can totally give your hands to Jesus and withhold your heart. You can look like you're really spiritual by coming to the front. But in your head, you're like, I don't even know why I'm here. I can't even stand this place anymore. I don't even, God's not moving in my life. I'm mad at my roommate. I don't like where I'm at in life right now. I just want to go home. Right? But God doesn't just want your hands. God also wants your heart, right? Let's look at this psalm here. Um, Psalm 57. Awake my glory. Notice he didn't say your glory. He said my glory. Right? Glory is the Hebrew word for our word weight. Like heavy weight. And I don't know who needs to hear this, but some of us need to wake our weight up. And here's what I mean by that. Lean in. Add some weight. You ever heard somebody say, man, they're just throwing their weight around. There's a reality to this is that we can all engage our weight. We can engage it. We can lean in or we can lean out. And there is something to be said about not just lifting your hands in worship, but engaging your weight in worship, engaging your heart in worship. And sometimes you're not going to feel like it. Sometimes it is going to feel like a sacrifice. Sometimes it is going to feel hard. But listen, the very first time that worship is ever mentioned in the Bible was when Abraham worshiped by putting his son Isaac on the sacrifice. So there's going to be times, listen, that was the first time worship was ever mentioned in the Bible, and it included sacrifice. There's going to be times in which you're going to drag yourself to church, and you will have the opportunity to pretend by lifting your hand. But I want to invite you, lean in also with your heart, because Jesus wants more than your hand. He also wants your heart. He wants your heart. First uh, Timothy 2 and 8 says, I desire that in every place the men should pray, women too, lifting holy hands. That's about number one. Lifting holy hands. And then number two, Psalm 57, awake my glory, awake, O harp and lyre, I will awaken the dawn. What if we took that posture in worship? I will awaken the dawn. I don't know if you guys ever heard Smith Wigglesworth say this, but he was like, um, if God's not moving, I'll move him. I like that. I respect that energy. If God's not moving, I'll move him. So we need to lean in. We lift up holy hands. We lean in with our hearts because God is going to stay where he's welcomed. But he'll also leave where he's not. All right, last one, then we'll pray. Number three is God wants your voice In worship. Come on, Nashville. God wants your voice in worship. Psalm 150 says this. Praise him with the tambourine and the dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud clashing cymbals. Let everything that has skill praise ye the Lord. Well, I would sing, but I'm not good. Did God asked if your joyful noise was auto-tuned before you released it to heaven. No, he did not. He's not checking with your gift. He is looking at your heart. 
And if it's pure, it's more beautiful to him than somebody who sings really, 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 really good who is disengaging their weight. Y'all hear that part? Sometimes we think, oh, no, in in order for me to lift my voice, I would need to be able to sing good. No, no, listen, God wants your voice, and your voice draws him and draws his presence, draws his glory. He comes to you as we lift him up in song. Psalm 22 says that he enthrones, he inhabits, he sits down on the praises of his people. As we lift our song up with our voices, God sits down. We praise him with our voice. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Somebody said, I think it was Tozer also, is that all worship is, is returning your borrowed breath back to God. So if you're thinking, man, I'll let the people in the front sing, that's fine. I'll let the people on stage sing, that's fine. No, God wants your song too. And we do too. We don't care if you can sing well. You guys have heard me sing plenty of times. I sing terribly. Nobody said amen. I appreciate that. But I do. And y'all know it. But you know what? I sing in a way that I know will delight him because it's pure and it's for him and it's not for anybody else. Which is why I can sing unashamedly because I'm not singing for my neighbor. I'm not singing for a compliment. I'm not singing for somebody to say, man, I heard you singing. Man, you can sing good. I don't care. It's not for them. It's for him and for him alone. And I know that he wants my voice. It's his love language. It's how he likes to be loved. And so we sing. We lift our voice. We give God our hands. We give God our heart. And we give God our voice. Yeah, it's not my personality to sing loud. I would sing loud. It's not my personality to sing loud. Let me see you at a Titans game. So funny how sports will change people's personality. They'll change in arena, but won't change in the sanctuary. You guys remember Colossians, right? The Christ in you is the hope of glory, right? So your natural habitat as a new creation is glory. And some people can't figure out why they're so discouraged all the time. It's because you're not lifting your voice and stepping into that place of God's glory. Since you've been saved, God has taken up residence on the inside of you. And you know where he wants to dwell? In his glory. So if you deprive yourself from worship, you're like a fish constantly out of water. Man, I don't know what's going on. Worship. Worship your way through that battle. Worship your way through all that warfare. Worship your way through the storm. Lift your hands and say, uh-uh, enemy, you cannot have my hands. You're not going to have my strength because Jesus asked me to love the Lord God with all of my strength. So I lift my physical hands. I engage my physical strength and I say, I am going to worship. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what's going on in my life. It doesn't matter what hell has come against me with. It doesn't matter about the problems going on in my job. I'm lifting my hands today, devil. I'm lifting my hands today. I'm informing my own soul that he is worthy of my praise no matter what's happening in my life. I'm lifting my hands. And not only am I lifting my hands, but I'm also engaging my heart. I'm being honest. I'm being authentic. I'm being real. We all love that today, right? Be honest before the Lord. Don't hide stuff from him in worship. It's like playing hide and seek with my toddler. He knows about it anyway. Just disclose it right out in the open. Like, here I am, God. I'm a mess, but I'm not going to hold back my heart from you. Because I trust you and I love you. And I know your love language is to get my heart. So I'm not going to come sit in your house and hold back my heart. I'm going to give you my heart. 
And not only am I going to stand here with my hands up and my heart engaged, but I'm also going to lift my voice to you. I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to open my lips. I'm going to proclaim your praise, not because I'm good at it, perhaps, but because you're worthy of it and you love it and it delights you and it's what you want. And I'm going to be doing this for all of eternity because you've made me a new creation. I have a new identity and my occupation is to minister to you through worship with my whole heart and all of my song. And we want you singing here. If you're not singing, the harmony of the room is off. I don't care how well you sing. Sing. Lift your voice. Give God a joyful noise. Praise Him. Worship Him. Thank Him. Tell Him how great He is. Somebody said, worship is simply this, telling God the truth about Himself. Just tell Him the truth about Himself. This is who you are. This is who you are. You are Savior. You are salvation. You are forgiveness. You are grace. You are mercy, you are victory, you are triumph. You're the ever-present help in the time of trouble. You are the strong tower that the righteous run into. I'm coming into the strong tower today, Jesus. Hands up, heart engaged, voice lifted. Hands up, heart engaged, and voice lifted. Remember my coach in high school, he used to say, how do you play good defense? This was like a drill. <laughs> he would go, Cougars, because that was our mascot. How do you play good defense? And everybody, and we had to repeat this thing, all of us together. Say, butt down, head up, back straight, eyes and hands active. <laughs> that's, some of you, that's all you're going to remember from the whole message. <laughs> How you play good defense? And I, I just thought about it. Grace always calls me coach. It's like, how do you worship? Hands up, heart engaged, voice lifted. How do you worship? Hands up, heart engaged, voice lifted. Let's do it one more time. How do you worship? Come on, let's stand up and pray. Tuning into the Legacy Nashville podcast. If you'd like to support the ministry, you can do so at legacynashville.org forward slash give. If you're listening on iTunes, log into the store and give us a good rating and review. This helps our podcast reach new people with the good news of Jesus Christ. Until next week, love God, love people, and go change the world.